0: I'm going to be reading from the 18th chapter of Matthew, and I'm going to be reading from the today's English version of the Bible. You may not be aware of it, but uh, chapter 18 is all about the same thing. One subject in chapter 18. And this is how it concludes. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord... If my brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? No, not even seven, answered Jesus, but 70 times seven. Because the kingdom of heaven is like this. Once there was a king who decided to check on his servant's accounts. He had just begun to do so when one of them was brought in and owed him a million dollars. The servant did not have enough to pay his debt, so the king ordered him to be sold as a slave with his wife and with his children and all that he had in order to pay back the debt. The servant fell on his knees before the king. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay you everything. The king felt sorry for him, so he forgave him the debt and let him go. Then the man went out and said and and met one of his fellow servants. This same man who had just been forgiven now goes out and met one of his fellow servants who owed him a few dollars. He grabbed him and started choking him. Pay back what you owe me, he said. His fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him thrown into jail until he should pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were very upset and went to the king and told him everything. So he called the servant in, that is the king, called the servant in. "You worthless slave," he said, "I forgave you the whole amount you owed me just because you asked me to. You should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you." The king was very angry and said to the servant, "Sent the servant to jail to be punished until he should pay back the whole amount. And Jesus concluded, that is how my Father in heaven will treat every one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. We're in a, or at least I am, I'm in a series on the kind of church that God wants. Not the kind of church you and I want, but the kind of church God wants. We talked about the importance of having a regenerate church membership. People who have been born again, like these little babies we just dedicated this morning. They have started life for the first time. They're learning all kinds of things. You know, to walk and to eat and to talk and all that kind of stuff. When you're born again... You don't have to learn to walk and talk again. Well, some of you to need to learn to talk again. You don't need to learn to walk and run, but you need to learn a lot of other things that you've not learned right before that time in your life, and you begin to study what it is that God wants you to do. And so you begin to live life from God's perspective instead of your own or what your culture tells you you ought to do. The church God wants is also a place where love is expressed to every person through acceptance, inclusion, and encouragement. And today, I want us to talk about the church God wants that practices forgiveness beyond human reason. It seems everything has some limits whether it's a voucher you get from the airline when you got bumped off a plane, that lasts 12 months. You don't get it after that. When you go to the library and get a book, you can keep it as long as you want, but after two weeks, fines start to build up and you have to pay for that book. It's not free. When you buy something on credit, you don't have to start paying until the grace period is over, but when the grace period is over with it, It not only costs you what you bought, but it costs you interest on top of that. There just seems to be nothing that doesn't have limits. However, I do think that there's something that does not have limits. And that is the capacity of God to forgive. Now, since Adam and Eve started wandering around the garden and got in trouble and sinned in their life, God has been forgiving sin, and continues to do so even until today. Earlier in Matthew, there's a parable. We heard it this morning about the lost sheep. One sheep gets away from the herd of a hundred. Now the shepherd, you know, is God. In this case, you didn't know that. The shepherd is God. God goes and leaves the 99 and wanders out in the countryside to look for this one lost sheep. That is not good business. That does not make sense if you're a rancher, a farmer, or a keeper of sheep, whatever they call them, a herder, isn't it? That doesn't make sense. But yet that's what God did. Now when he got that sheep, he didn't put a noose around its neck and drag it back to the pasture. He didn't hold a stick in his hand and beat its hindquarters all the way back. He picked it up, put it on his shoulders, put it in his arms, and took it back where it belonged and said, this is where you belong. And he was ready to do the same thing again the next day if necessary. That is an amazing lesson we need to learn about how much God loves us and cares for us and forgives our wandering. Now following this parable, Jesus tells another story. It's about hurt feelings in the church. These two things are connected, remember. All of chapter 18 is connected. If somebody in the church hurts your feelings, there's a procedure you to follow. It says, uh, Go to them privately. Tell them the wrong that was done by them. If they refuse to face the truth that they indeed did this thing, go back with a couple of people who witnessed that very thing and can testify to it and can witness your meeting with that person and tell them what the hurt was. If that doesn't work, if they refuse to face the truth again, tell the story... To the church and let the church work on reconciling that person. And then, if that doesn't work, it says treat them like tax collectors and gentiles. Well, now we got them. In this grand, we can treat them like tax collectors and gentiles. I knew we were right the whole time, not so fast, ladies and gentlemen. We have to look at the whole chapter of 18, the whole context. Jesus begins, chapter 18, by asking his disciples, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? His answer is the one who humbles himself like a child. Then, the one who rejoices when a lost sheep is returned to the fold. And then he goes on to say, the one who goes the distance to restore a broken relationship in the body of Christ, by being merciful like God has been merciful. All of chapter 18 speaks to this issue. It's interesting, in verses 18 and 19, Jesus says a strange thing. He says, the sins you forgive on earth are the sins you forgive in heaven. And the sins you do not, do not forgive are the sins he doesn't forgive. Jesus is talking about the sins that disrupt relationships in the body of Christ. Then in verse 17, Jesus just said that if a person cannot be reconciled, treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Well, it so happens Matthew was a tax collector. And it so happens that the Gospel of Matthew talks a lot about Gentiles and tax collectors. It was the wise men who were Gentiles. Jesus started his ministry in Galilee where a large number of Gentiles lived. Even Isaiah reminded the people that when the Messiah comes, he will go to the Gentiles of Galilee. One of the first miracles Jesus ever performed was to a Roman Centurion, certainly a Gentile. Jesus treated Gentiles with respect and care. Matthew himself, being a tax collector, turned out pretty good. The Pharisees tried to make Jesus look bad because he was a friend to tax collectors. That's what the Bible tells us. So when Jesus said to treat the wayward church member like a Gentile or a tax collector, he meant to put your arms around them and love them and forgive them and reconcile them back into the fold, if at all possible. Reconciliation always takes two. I don't care how many times I go to Ethan And tell him, I'm sorry that I treated you badly. And Ethan says, well, I don't care. I don't forgive you. Now, that's not happening. I'm just making that up. Now, I want to be reconciled with Ethan, but he is not interested in being reconciled with me. I can't do anything about that, but what can I do is to continue to love Ethan and treat him well. No matter how many times I've hurt him, that's all I can do. If I ask forgiveness, he says, no, I ain't forgiven you for nothing. Then all I can do is, with God's power, continue to love Ethan. That's all I got to do. We can't be reconciled. But I've done what God's called me to do, and that's forgive. Now, Peter was not always the one to get what Jesus was teaching about right off. In verse 21, we begin to read, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me seven times? We just read that. Now, the wheels had been turning in Peter's head from the very first time he heard about this thing, about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. And what are we supposed to do? When he heard about the lost sheep, when he heard about going back to his brother at least three times, and heard about treating his brother like a tax collector and a Gentile when that didn't work, now he wanted to be sure, are you really sure, Jesus, about this? Are you really sure there's no limits to the time I have to forgive? And Jesus tells him that story about the king who had the servant come in and forgave him, and that same servant goes out and... uh, grabs the guy that owes his money by the neck and says, you owe me, and wouldn't give him mercy. Jesus said, it's going to be bad for you. It's going to be bad for all of us who don't learn how to forgive. Well, like us, I think, there's some things we really don't like to hear. We really don't want to hear that kind of answer to that kind of question about people who hurt us. Who do things against us personally or corporately. We don't want to hear about loving, caring, nurturing. Being long-suffering in our love like God. Where is the justice if I just let this person hurt me or hurt us. And we don't do anything about it. Where's the justice in that? We want justice. Justice. Do we not? But we have to remember that justice is God's business. Justice is a corporate business. The, the government takes care of justice in the temporary. God takes care of justice in the long term. This passage is not about justice. It's about forgiveness and our responsibility to forgive as long as we live. Now, if the church does not practice forgiveness like God forgives, how can we expect to have an effective witness in our own community? How can we convince the world that we are changed people How would the world ever recognize our congregation as the body of Christ, Jesus on earth, if we don't act like Jesus, even when it comes, especially when it comes to forgiveness? Maybe that's why the world is not beating a path to our door. We've not shown them Jesus in our behavior. So they don't know that he's here to see if we could see Jesus, or if they could see Jesus in us, maybe they would come. A long time ago, before World War II started, there were some people in Germany who wanted to begin a non-violent resistance to Hitler and his madness. One of those was a pastor, Martin E. Mueller. Now, Martin started uh, this nonviolent resistance against Hitler, and in 1937 he was arrested and he was sent to Dachau. Dachau was a, a, a bad concentration camp, a bad place to be, but he stayed there until the end of World War II, lived through that. Years later, he reflected on his experience in Dachau. And he came to some conclusions. He tells a story about how he envisioned uh, a, a certain question coming to him. And he said, the barracks that I lived in during that imprisonment time had a window, and the window looked out on the gallows where many a people were hung. He said that that gallows. Gave me a two-pronged question The first question was Martin When they come to get you And they put you on that little stool And they put that rope around your neck Will you with your last breath And your last bit of strength Curse them And tell them how God's going to take vengeance On their evil and vindicate you Well, the next question was if Jesus had done that when he went to the cross, what would have happened? Had Jesus called down God's vengeance and destroyed deal and come off the cross, what would have happened? Martin prayed on that and the answer came to him, nothing would have happened. Had Jesus died like Martin thought he might have died, cursing and calling God's vengeance, nothing would have happened. But instead, Jesus said, God, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Have mercy on them. Had God not died that way, we would have not known what salvation is. We would have not known what the forgiveness of God is had Jesus chosen to die a different way. We live in a world where violence and hurt thrive. Our world is unjust in many, many ways. But you and I, as believers, cannot live in a way that denies what God has done for us in Christ. And expect the peace of God to reign in us or in our community of faith. If Christ is our peace, how can we do otherwise except forgive? We must learn to forgive by surrendering our hurt to God and giving forgiveness, even when our forgiveness is rejected. Because forgiveness benefits my heart and my spirit and my attitude. Forgiveness doesn't do anything for the other person most of the time. Forgiveness is meant for me to make my heart right. Make my attitude right. To free my spirit. Without. Forgiveness in our hearts. We cannot have this free spirit. To worship and to serve God. In freedom. From bitterness. Or the joy of living. If we're to be God's church. We're to be new persons. Love like only God could love. And forgive like only God can forgive, Because he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. When we surrender to that power. We can do things that only God can do. When somebody says they can't forgive. They're saying they can't surrender to the power of God in their life. That requires crucifixion of ourselves. Jesus said it's not just once that we die, but we daily die. We must daily die. When we are 15, we must die to certain things if we're to live a right kind of life. When we're 25, we decide, well, there's some other things I'm going to have to die to if I'm going to live the life that God's called me to live. And when I'm 45 or when I'm 75 or when I'm 90, we find there's other things that I'm going to have to give over to Christ if I'm going to live the life He called me to live. Learning how to forgive those people who hurt us can be a lifelong journey. But it's a journey we must take. Do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Only when we surrender to God's power. In our lives. Are we able to live Christ like lives. But when we do. We are able. May you be courageous enough. To sacrifice what you need to sacrifice to be God's person every time you're hurt. Every time somebody despitefully uses you. Every time somebody hurts your feelings. Find a way to forgive because it is you that benefit the most From forgiveness. Because it frees your spirit. Work on that. Let's pray. Dear God, we are a stubborn people. We want to do life our way instead of your way. Give us a humble spirit that we might submit our stubbornness to be crucified so we may live like you call us to live every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.